tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Aaron, open your mind. Drink. Hi everybody and welcome to Tin Foil Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock, man. I'm all by myself today's episode, and it is a great one. Uh, We're discussing Armenia and uh, Azerbaijan and uh, what's going on with the geopolitics and is this return of the Turkish Empire? A lot of great discussions here. Uh, Real quick, if you want to see me do stand-up, I'll be doing a Zoom meeting, a Zoom meeting, a Zoom show uh, this Sunday, October 11th. Uh, times and places are all down there in the uh, and, and the link for the tickets are all there in the descriptions. Uh, if you want to see me live, I will be in Cleveland October 23rd at Hilarities at 9.30 p.m. Uh, again, links down there. Grab your tickets now. Philly, November 12th through the 14th. I'll be at Helium's and then St. Louis, uh, December 3rd through the 5th. Uh, again, at the Heliums, all the links are available down there. Guys, some great T-shirts are available. Go to tinfoilhattshirts.com, grab a T-shirt, support the show, and uh, the Patreons are on fire. Go to patreon.com slash tinfoilhat to get your daily doses about everything going on in the world of conspiracies. Uh, if you want to see a great debate show between two friends, one's a Ronin, the other one's a lizard person, just listen to the Conspiracy Social Club, and that is available at patreon.com slash Brian Callen. And, uh, you know, it's a chaotic world, and you listen about it here. You learn about it here on Tinfoil Hat. But how do you deal with all that chaos? Well, that's what the, my podcast Zero is about, okay? It's a spiritual podcast available exclusively on Rockfin. Go to rokfin.com slash zero and get that spiritual healing when i get that feeling i need spiritual healing zero podcast check it out all right guys i appreciate you guys so much uh please enjoy the show it's a very very important show uh have fun enjoy the show i love you swarm take care all right, guys, let's get into it. Super excited today uh, to be discussing this. It's a it's a hard topic, but I'm excited that we could get into it and hopefully we can open a, a, a couple minds and uh, bring awareness to something that I think is uh, going to affect everybody. And you may not even know it, but this is a very important issue. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, joining me, uh, you've heard him on my other podcast, the uh, Punch Drunk Sports He's a good friend of mine for a very long time. Please welcome Gabe Killian. How are you, Gabe? Hey, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Dude, thank you. And I'm very excited to have this gentleman on. He is uh he's a lawyer and he is like he knows all of this stuff. And I, I I'm really excited he would even spend a little time with us. Please welcome Joseph Kazazian. How are you, brother? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. 
You did, you did all right with the last name. I like it. I like Dude, it. Dude, thank you, brother. Thank you. You guys have no clue. You guys have no clue how, like, I just worked on that forever. It just, it's become a bigger thing than it needs to be. And it's just, I just, like, when I respect somebody, I'm like, I got to get the last name correct. It's just the weirdest thing. Uh, but thank you for coming on. Uh, real quick, Joseph, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you and uh, what what you've been up to and how you've been, been. Okay. First of all, let me get into this real quick. Uh, today we're going to discuss the, the situation with Armenia. They're, uh, they're uh, possibly going to war with, uh, what's the name of the country? It's, uh, what's it? Azerbaijan. Oh yeah. Azerbaijan and all that stuff. And I'm very excited that both of you guys are here to discuss it. Joseph, if you can tell our listeners a little bit about your credentials, who you are and what you've done, uh, and then we'll get into it. Sure, man. Uh, I'm Joe Kazazian. Uh, um, I'm a lawyer. I'm a writer. I'm an activist, community organizer. You know, I've been involved in the Armenian community and its politics since I was 15 years old. Uh, these days, I'm very much all over the scene. I'm wearing like 10 different hats trying to get, uh, you know, our name out there because of what's going on in the world. Um, specifically what's going on in Armenia right now. So that's kind of what I've been working on um, these last few, I mean, these last 13 days at least. It is truly unbelievable. Uh, You've been doing a lot of, uh, you've been doing some deep dives into this subject, been working with some very important people. We won't get into all that, but uh, you you have your finger on the pulse of what is going on over there and how important it is that we pay attention to uh, the situation there. So a lot of people probably can't find any of these countries on the map if you ask them to, right? They can't find any of the countries and therefore they don't, they may not think it's important. But for me, this represents to me uh, a, a movement by certain countries to, uh, I think, get back their empire. I think we're seeing... Uh, Turkey trying to make some power play moves right now involving uh, Armenia and trying to get back uh, uh, some of their power in the region. I know that the United States and Russia have been running a lot of stuff over there and Turkey's a very old empire and they probably don't enjoy that very much. That whole area, Mesopotamia, that whole area is just in chaos right now. If we could just talk about the history of these two countries uh, with each other. Sure, I could jump into that. So, as you mentioned, oh, Turkey, do you want to start from day one? Do you want to start from when the conflict started and then get into the history? I'm fine with that as well. Sure. So, I mean, I'll, I'll run it by you. I'll give you the bullet points um, for for the history because I think the current conflict is so relevant to that history. Um, <clears throat> as you know, and maybe a lot of your viewers do or don't, I'm Armenian. We're Armenians, and uh, you know, people in that neighborhood where Turkey is don't like us very much, but here's what they don't know. Here's what they don't want to tell you is that we've been living there for millennia, dude. We've been on that piece of land, which is, you know, known as Anatolia. It's also known as the Armenian Highland. Like, you know, Noah's Ark landed there. Um, you know, I think we were probably the first people to come off the boat and like, you know, pick our little corner of, 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 of the land at the time and just say, you know what, we're here. This is our homeland. So, you know, around the 12th century, you know, from Central Asia, you know, people, people of Turkic origin start showing up 
And since about the 12th century, all they wanted to do is scapegoat, scapegoat the Armenians and kill them. And so fast forward to today in 2020, I mean, we're talking about a global pandemic where everything is shut down. You know, everybody's following whether Trump has COVID and the fly on Mike Pence's fucking head. And, you know, I, I'm going to be candid with my language here because I think the audience is proper for it. Um, you know, Azerbaijan decides to start a war uh, against Armenia, supported by Turkey. And Azerbaijan itself is a Turkish republic, right? So, like, they're like this, you yep. know, this group, this group of people who really didn't exist on a map until about 1918, until Joseph Stalin decided that, you know what, there's a bunch of guys sitting here on this side of the corner and they're all Turkish. So let's give them a nice little Republic. So the Soviet union basically carved out the Republic of Azerbaijan for them. And now they're trying to take or claim historical rights to what is actually Armenian land, which is known as Atsakh or Nagorno-Karabakh, where the conflict is happening right now. And it's been a shit show because everybody's been talking about something else. Um, while my brothers and sisters back home are basically being bombed and killed whole scale. Like they're targeting civilian areas. They're targeting, um, you know, non-military assets, churches, and you know, they're, they don't want to relent. And as far as the global community and the media is concerned, nobody wants to talk about us or cover us because we're not the sexiest story in the headlines right now. So, you know, it's my job and, you know, guys like Gabe and, you know, a lot of people out there, especially those of Armenian origin to basically tell our story because nobody else wants to. So that's kind of what we're dealing with right now. Well, yeah. And here's the whole thing. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot more involved with uh, why people don't know about this or why this information is being kind of suppressed. You know, uh, we both, we both have fam- all three of us have family members that were affected by the Armenian genocide. Uh, Armenia is the first country to take Christianity as their national, their official national um, religion in an area surrounded by Muslims. And, you know, again, I have zero problems with Muslims. I, I don't groups. Uh, I don't, I don't judge groups. I judge individuals and stuff like that, but that has caused a great conflict in that area and has caused, uh, you know, Turkey, uh, committed this genocide against the Armenians. And the only reason the U.S. government recently recognized this genocide is out of pure hate for Trump. So, I mean, that seems to be the only time the hatred of Trump actually paid off for us because they voted. He asked them not to, which is crazy. Uh, And they voted on it. And finally, the U.S. government recognized the Armenian genocide. The Turkish didn't want to do this. Now, the Turkish people, uh, they're just like Americans. They're getting bombarded with propaganda, making Armenians look like these evil people, which is the same thing they do here. They do in Israel. They do. They just bombard these people with uh, uh, propaganda to get everybody to hate these people that have done nothing to them. Nothing at all. And now we're seeing what, what's going on here is a chess game between, let's face it, Turkey and Russia, they're having a chess game over power of that area. And, you know, they talk about like they really want a war with Turkey wants a war with Armenia because that will uh, lessen uh, Russia's grip on, on on that area. And that's a big deal. And we're going to get into that 
uh, a little a little later in the show. But I wanted to talk about on the 27th, what kicked this whole thing off on September 27th? What got the ball rolling that this conflict just exploded? So prior to everything that was going on before September 27th, um, there were some hostilities in July, um, which again was kicked off by Azerbaijan. But, you know, they love to blame the Armenians because it's such an easy thing to do. Like we're all evil. And you know, I'm sure you could see the horns coming out from that. Uh, yeah. Above my- yeah. I, I also think though, dude, that this has the, uh, all the, um, all the uh, earmarks of a, a uh, uh, proxy war. Uh, like Joe mentioned earlier, uh, they're using the same game plan they used in 1915 when the world was distracted by the uh, by the war, and now the world is distracted by the pandemic here. And uh, that's it, a it, great it, point, man. That's a great point. This yeah. is exactly the exact same thing, and they're using it as an opportunity to slip in as everybody in America is focusing on racial injustice and this insane election. Nobody's eyes on the ball right now, so they can go in there. And just cause some chaos because nobody's really folks on. That's a great, right. a great. But right. I do believe this is a proxy war in in between, uh, you know, Turkey and Russia. I think Russia is is, I for some reason that whole region has a real problem with Russia, which is interesting because they they're working with Iran and I, who know and Iran's going through their own shit too as well. Sure. Um, Sure. No, man, that's a big, that's a great point that you raised. No, there's definitely hallmarks of a proxy war here. There's no denying that. And I think they want it to become a proxy war. Turkey wants Azerbaijan to get involved so that Armenia has to defend itself on its own turf. Whereas Armenia historically has enjoyed close ties with Russia. They also have a treaty with Russia saying that if the Armenian mainland is attacked, that Russia would thereafter get involved. Now, there have been attacks on Armenian mainland as early as yesterday. I mean, they shot down like seven drones, like Turkish drones flying over. The Armenian army did, flying over Armenia, right? So it definitely has that. But, you know, there's a greater issue to this conflict um, outside of the proxy war, which, mind you, I don't want to, you know, uh, discredit that at all. That's that's some spot-on analysis. But I think the bigger issue here is also the fact that, you know, this is yet another opportunity for Turkey, for Azerbaijan, to use what Gabe was talking about, the chaos in the world to basically sneak something in and, you know, like sucker punch the Armenian people. Now we're not stupid. Back to what I was saying, they've been moving units from Turkey to Azerbaijan since July, the week before everything happened on September 27th, there was already a massive buildup on the Azeri Artsakh and Azeri Armenia border which was obvious to everybody. The State Department issued travel warnings to U.S. citizens in Azerbaijan and in Armenia, knowing that something was imminent. So we weren't exactly caught off guard because it's rare that something like that happens. But at the same time, the scale of literally shooting missiles into civilian areas, which is what the Azeris were doing, flying F-16s above Armenian territory, which is what the Turks were doing, is not something you can easily ignore. So we caught wind of it when we did, we meaning the Armenian people, people inside the Republic of Armenia, people in the diaspora. We knew this was going to happen because the talk and the rhetoric had gotten so belligerent over the course of the last few months that now we weren't sitting there playing Monday morning quarterback as to what we should have done differently. We saw it coming. But that's different because... 
Turkey and Azerbaijan and in, in cahoots with the global media, who is, you know, bought and paid for by so many big dollars, by lobby money, by oil money, by government and arms dealer money. The international they, banking cabal, I call it, dude. Well, well, if you want to call it that, that's fine. Um, there's a lot of people who are making a lot of money right now at the expense of my people. There's no denying that. And to be quite frank, they're painting us as the aggressors, right? So we're like 3 million people there, like just in that little region, 10 million, maybe worldwide on a good day. We're 10 million. If somebody decides they're Armenian or they're not, you know, there's a plus or minus there of a million probably. And, you know, they're painting us as the aggressor, like, Three million people have nothing better to do. They're, le- they're living peacefully on their own land. Are going to go pick a fight with two tyrant dictators? Like, like we got nothing better to do. Yeah. And, th- you know, and that's inherently the frustrating part. You know what I mean? And literally, I'm going up against guys like the LA Times. I submitted a op-ed for them to publish. It was rejected within 20 minutes. Like, it, but, you know, if, if the Consul General of Azerbaijan in LA wants to send an article, it's like, man, we'll press that and we'll print that for you. And they'll do it under the guise of neutrality. Dude, you're a journalist. You got one job. You got to report the truth, the truth, not neutrality, the truth. And that's what the biggest problem is right now. Yeah. Now now they're fighting over that. They're not, they're actually fighting over a country, right? And who, who controls that country? What's the name of that country? So that country, so to speak, is called Artsakh, is what we Armenians call it. Uh, which has historically been Armenian land. It's been a part of the Armenian kingdom and Armenian republics up until about 1920 when Joseph Stalin decided to take a marker and just draw out this little portion and cede it over to Azerbaijan. So for 70 years, it was technically Azerbaijan, which is what they're claiming, right? Like, this is our land. It was yours for 70 years, dude. Like, I know people who are older than 70 and, you know, They've lived that entire lifespan. So in the grand scheme of things, that's a fart in the wind of how much control you've had over that land. Whereas Armenians have been there for centuries, like millennia, dude. And the goofy part is like, you're looking at this scenario where, you know, they're claiming it's theirs. In reality, here's what happened. In 1988, the Soviet Union began to collapse. And just like every single republic decided to cede and declare their own independence, the people of Artsakh had a democratic referendum which was honestly, there was a 90% participation rate. And it's, 90- it's genetically, I mean, they're mostly Armenians, right? Correct. Correct. I mean, the population we were, when we're talking about um, the population in 1988, it was overwhelmingly Armenian. We're talking like 85% of the population. So they decide that we're going to vote to cede from Azerbaijan under Soviet law at the time, by the way, which makes it a legal referendum. And join Armenia, where we belong, because, hey, we're Armenian, we're on Armenian land. This jackass named Joseph Stalin decided, you know what, you're no longer Armenian, so here you go, you're, you're now Azeri. And, you know, wh- once you're talking about all these, like, sep- and they're, mind you, in the Soviet Union or the post-Soviet realm, there's a lot of separatist movements. You know, you have the Chechens, the Dagestanis, you know, you have all different kinds of groups claiming what's rightfully theirs. But this one has, like, a lot of historical lineage, right? And so the South Caucasus is kind of known for this. Like, we've all been bullied by our neighbors, like, our, specifically the Armenians have. And, like, this is the newest iteration of that, you know? So when you're talking about it on this global, like, you know, 300 or, or your 30,000 feet perspective, um, 
it's 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 really become quite it's really become quite the shit show and now you know what not just what we're claiming but what we're seeing is that these are the next steps to another armenian genocide and with someone who has the genetic memory that i do that all of us do you know speaking here right now you know we all have descendants who survived the armenian genocide so we have that collective trauma to recognize that dude they're going to try and wipe us out and that's what we're dealing with today it's truly unbelievable what's going on and it's like they this is what they do these <laughs> lizard people they just keep using the same game plan over and over and over again and they don't think we can see it and thanks to uh, uh um the internet and all that stuff, we get to see the game plan played out over and over and over again. Uh, what has been the U.S. government's take on this whole thing? The U.S. government has done jack shit. Um, that's, a, that's as plain and simply as I could put it. They haven't done anything. No statements, no nothing. All they're really doing is saying, you know, um, I guess Trump got up there and said something along the lines of, you know, we need to make sure everything is, you know, okay and you know our the, I, we got a lot of friends in the region you know, very generic statements right um they're call, all sides are calling for restraint which is the safe thing to do um but at the same time like you know we see what's happening the world sees what's happening and it's being spun into a different creature altogether and um to be i mean to be quite frank if it wasn't for guys like me guys like you guys like gabe um, we would pretty much not even be hearing about this. I mean, I'm the one making a stink about it, but nobody else is, you know? It is, it, it is incredible. And this is somewhat uh, a part of the, this new kind of thing that Trump is doing that is isolationism. And he's, he doesn't want to be involved in everything. Just real quick, I want to take a moment to tell you about our good friends at my bookie. That's right. Between the NFL, college ball, and Major League Baseball playoffs, there's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game into a your game day into a play day with my bookie. If you're the type of guy that likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple into a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn the ordinary bet into some real money makers and don't forget about the underdogs they have a ton of value okay the thing the thing about the nfl is that the underdogs never really are dogs on sunday every team truly has a chance to win and you do too okay so this is what we got man game spreads championship futures and player pop prop bets it's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet sign up for my bookie and when you do use the promo code tinfoil hat to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks it's a bonus design to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season that is the promo code tinfoil hat for you to claim your bonus and make your deposit, okay? Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, and all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin winning season exclusively at my bookie. So real quick, uh, Turkey is got their fingerprints all over this, obviously. Uh, it, it, is, it is a belief of many that they are shipping terrorists to uh, Azerbaijan, to uh, muck it up and cause more chaos, just like they did in Syria, which is pretty, I mean, and guess who else did that? Uh, The United States as well. 
with ISIS being on the payroll. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that and what evidence is there that this is happening? Sure. So about two days before the conflict started, there was already reports coming out of um, reliable sources um, like the, uh, the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights um, showing images of people boarding planes in Turkey. I mean, Syrian rebels slash terrorists boarding planes in Turkey, flying out to Azerbaijan. And lovely, like th- this, this tipped us off, right? So fast forward a few more days. Now we're talking about intense fighting, right? And there's videos emerging from the front lines of these guys who were fighting in uh, Afrin, which is, you know, where uh, the Turkish army has sent an expedition unit into Syria. And they're basically telling their brothers back home, this is not where you want to come and die for jihad. Like they're stacking us on top of each other because literally we're trained in mountain warfare. Armenian people are mountainous people, right? So we live in mountains, you know, uh, we know the terrain and they're sending these guys from the deserts up the mountains. Like, you know, they're sending them to certain death. There's more reports coming from the Armenian government and from official Armenian government sources that there's conversations that are happening between leaders within the Turkish government, leaders within the Azeri government and these jihadists who are now being sent to uh, basically kill Armenians. And you can hear the conversations and the coordination that's happening. And this was all intercepted by the intelligence agencies in Armenia. So it's all at this point been released in public record. On top of that, you're seeing flight tracking radar that is showing flights going out from uh, daily from Syria to, I'm sorry, from Turkey to Azerbaijan. And um, in addition to that, you're seeing videos from Syria of clerics and imams trying to recruit for the holy jihad that they're going to fight against the Armenian people. Oh my! Now God. you're talking about Obama and the creation of, you know, all these units in 2020. And, you know, even before that, if you go back to the Ukraine conflict, I mean, mercenary warfare is nothing that is new, but I think that what Turkey is trying to do is to eliminate their plausible deniability and waste their own soldiers on the battlefield and send these poor families and, you know, these guys who are being promised money to go defend oil fields um, to basically go off and die. Another report came out yesterday that basically documented a message that was sent from Azerbaijan to Syria of a man who was basically deceived and said that he was going to be paid between $1,000 and $2,000 a month. He hasn't gotten paid. He hasn't gotten food or water. And, you know, he's trying to take care of his family, thinking he's going to go guard some security post somewhere. But he's actually being sent to the front line to die. And if he turns around and walks back, the Turkish side and the Azeri side is going to be the one that shoots him. So it's a precarious situation. In 2020, in a place like Syria, where people are desperate for money, these, you know, multinational um, Turkish organizations are basically trying to entice people into going and fighting a war by lying to them and saying, you're going to go guard, you're going to go have a security job. Well, everybody who's lived in Syria for the last 10 years um, is pretty familiar with how to defend things because it's been all out war. It's been chaos. And you want to talk about proxy war. That's another piece of evidence that directly points to a Turkish proxy war. And they're sending fighters from Libya as well. It's not just Syria. Yeah. 
it's just unbelievable, dude. It's and it just sucks because what they do is they just take poor people, have them go fight this war, and have them die on the field. And like they got they got no skin in the game. These these uh, powerful powerful people, and that's why like I never get mad at 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 civilians. I get mad at politicians that put these people in these situations uh, to die and their, their kids never fight any of these, any of these wars. They never, they never lose any family members to war. It's always poor middle class that ends up being weaponized and, and sent to die. And it just sucks because it happens over and over and over again. And on our side, we got the president's son volunteering and uh, fighting on the front line. So that's, that's the difference. Oh, you know, like it's, it's a little different. It's a different, it's a little bit different. And Gabe brought up an excellent point. Like literally if you're Armenian dude, everybody right now, including the president's son or the prime minister's son is on the front line. You have members of opposition parties who were basically, you know, um, very deeply involved in Armenian politics. And at one point we're going at it, basically put all their differences aside and realize that, you know what, this is an existential threat right now. We are all in this together. Armenia, Artsakh, the diaspora. I mean, look, man, I'm here talking to you. Gabe's here talking to you. We're involved in our own ways, too. Like, we all have somebody on the front line. Like, I got three nephews on the front line right now, and I got plenty more family members that are heading there as we speak. You know what I mean? So for us, it's it's not traditionally, yeah, the middle class fights the war, the lower class fights the war, and the rich are getting richer. Like, nobody in Armenia right now is winning by fighting this war. The only time the Armenian people will ever feel victorious is not just if this war ends, is that if these, like, you know, these hordes of people that they're sending against us stop. You know, like, we want peace, man. Armenians love peace, man. How many Armenians, you know, just like, you know, they'll just be shooting the shit at the barbecue and be like, hey, man, what are you doing? Come over here. Let's have some, you know, let's drink. You know what I mean? We love to have a good time. We love Armenians to party. are the best. I mean, dude, we we are the best neighbors anybody could ask for. You know what I mean? Like, we're always there for everybody. And now it's like when we need people to be there for us, it's like crickets are chirping. Like the silence, it, it, dude. It is deep. I mean, I'm just. I mean, there's some stuff when you you get in conspiracies. Uh, you know, this is a conspiracy show, and just like the international banking couple, like it, like this has their fingerprints all over it. It's just all over it, man. I, I and I want to get into that in two seconds. Um, I want to talk about outside influences on this in, in in a minute, a little bit deeper. But I want to get into what we're seeing right now uh, happening in the genocide, which is the bombing of civilian uh, targets. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to call them, but the, basically, the infrastructure of Armenia. Is yeah, being bombed right now. They've destroyed historical churches, man. Two hundred plus years old, and we've been seeing that, man. There, there's been a, you know, I say that area is got Mesopotamia all over it, and you see them destroying all these ancient relics of ancient knowledge, done purposefully. So we don't know how special we are, and like that's what they do. They're just hitting them, and you know, they're killing church. They're just destroying churches, and. It's just it's just something interesting in America, man, where people are very passionate about something that happens here. But if it's the same thing happening somewhere else, they don't get involved with it at all, you know? Um, 
And that's like everybody's losing their skulls right now about, you know, people can't go to church during COVID. That's a giant thing. But for some reason, when they're just destroying, you know, Christian churches somewhere else, there seems to be a zero interest in stopping that, which I I just don't get this. It's like should be a golden rule for everywhere, not just like within certain borders and why people aren't more upset about that. I mean, if you're a Christian, you should be upset about Christian churches being destroyed by Muslim Muslims. And just the other way around, too. Like when the U.S. is bombing the shit out of the Middle East and they're destroying all these Muslim mosques, I'm not happy about that either, man. I think we should get, I think we should defend people's right to uh, be, uh, to worship whatever religion they want without having the enemy destroying those places. Can you talk a little bit about that? So, yeah, I mean, like, I'm glad you brought all that up. Now, you know, I realize this is a conspiracy theory podcast. I personally am not a follower of conspiracy theories. However, I do support everybody's First Amendment rights, right? So I'm a lawyer first. So you can say whatever crazy shit you want. You're completely entitled to it because my constitution and your constitution says so. That's number one. Number two, I'm glad you brought up religion because that's another important First Amendment right that we cherish as Americans. The right to, the right to worship, the right not to worship, and the right to keep government out of worship, Right. So when you're looking at all of those things combined, if you want to talk about oppression in the strictest sense, look no further than what Turkey and Azerbaijan are doing to Armenia right now. They're attacking democratic ideals. Armenia is a democracy. Turkey and Azerbaijan are not. Second of all, they're targeting Christian heritage sites, world heritage sites, and have zero regard for the importance of those monuments to history as a whole, even within their own religions, right? So Islam and Judaism, for instance, right? Those are Abrahamic religions. And within the tenets of Islam, there are very important principles about respecting Christians in in their most strict interpretations. Now, that being said, what you're looking at right now is this divide and conquer mentality that has nothing specifically to do about Muslims attacking Christians, but it has everything to do very specifically with this neo-Ottoman identity that Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the president of Turkey, is single-handedly perpetuating in the region, whether it's in Libya, whether it's in Syria, whether it's in the, on the Mediterranean coast, and the most recent episode is obviously what's happening to the Armenians right now. So there is a lot going on, right? So if you want to talk about the real conspiracy and how it all works together and how it all ties in, You have the international banking community obviously monetizing this because there's arms sales. There's flights flying in from Turkey and Israel into Azerbaijan almost around the clock replenishing their military. Azerbaijan is a massive oil state. They are a petrol dictatorship. They have the money to burn. These world powers are looking at that money, and that includes Russia, by the way, who is the biggest arms dealer in Azerbaijan. That includes Israel, the second largest, the United States, which is the third largest, and the fourth largest, which is Israel. And Azerbaijan has spent $2 billion buying from Israel, and they are now attacking Armenian targets with Israeli drones. So when you're talking about this kind of conspiracy type of thing, you don't have to look no further than the facts, right? It's where the money goes. You have all this oil money buying weapons. 
It's easier to basically take out all of these Armenians at once, sell these weapons, because who the hell cares about an Armenian? Like, as far as they know, we have nothing to offer the, to the world. And who are, who are the ones supporting the Armenians? It's other Armenians. Like, literally, we're out there alone. We got nobody helping us right Yeah, and we're going to get in where they can donate. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, like, the whole reason, you know... I mean, how long did it take for Israel? How long did it take for the, I mean, Israel has, how long does it take for the U.S. government to recognize the genocide? And then, you know, and Israel refuses to recognize it, uh, which blows my mind, you know? Uh, I mean, I I have my own personal beliefs on that. It's called Kazarians, but that's a whole different topic. But why, I mean, you go far back, Kazarians are Turkish, and that explains a lot, man. Uh, why they never wanted to recognize that. Uh, I mean, it's it's the Rothschilds, their involvement in everything right there. And and just like the, how much money is being made right now. It's like unbelievable how like these arms dealers just, they just want chaos everywhere and they're getting it. They are just cranking up chaos in the world and just to sell more arms. And it's just like the... Uh, Lord of War, that that Nicolas Cage movie is like one hundred percent right, dead bullseye on what's going on right now in Armenia. Is just like getting these little countries to fight each other while everyone's just cashing checks, and it just sucks. It just sucks because I wonder how much how much actual war would happen in the world if you didn't have this this powerful um, military industrial complex trying to get everybody to fight each other so they would buy their weapons. And it just sucks. It just sucks because the people selling the weapons will never actually feel any of the ramifications of the actual wars. They don't, they don't participate in it. They just ship out arms and, and, and cash checks. And it just sucks, man. And you know, Israel, Israel isn't just Jewish, man. Israel has like all three, the major religions, are, are like somewhat based out of that area. That's why Israel, the territory, is very, very important. Now, I, I, I think a big part of Israel is a land bridge that makes it e- easier for um, China and Africa to ship their goods to Europe. It's a very important place uh, for geopolitics, right? But there is a large Armenian community in Israel, and they are not happy with what's going on right now. No, there's not an Armenian on any corner of the planet right now, unless, you know, they've been under a rock, honestly. And um, there's not a single Armenian right now who's happy. And you know what? I feel like I'm taking up a lot of time from Gabe, but I think Gabe should explain this better because I think Gabe has some um, has some more personal things that he could share outside of the geopolitics, you know, to put the human touch on it. So please, Gabe. Uh, in regards to what? In regards to uh, just the situation going on, do you have any thoughts on, you know, Israel selling uh, weapons? Any thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I pretty much uh, agree with everything you guys are saying. Uh, They're uh, making the countries go to war pretty much. Yeah, and it's just unbelievable. And, you know, the giant population in Israel uh, is Armenian. And I mean, we just saw like just stuff where they, you know, Armenians getting shot in Armenian churches in Israel during the the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. And it just sucks. And it just, it's very hard to, 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 to just sit back and watch this. Yeah, man. 
uh, I started catching up on the whole thing, like day three or four of the war, because uh, uh, I'm personally, un, um, I'm not like Joe, I'm kind of like uneducated about like un- Armenian history and all of that. Like I, I personally, I'm ashamed to say, I didn't even know what Artsakh was. Like I, I'm just starting to learn about all of that. And I'm learning as I go, like I'm learning more historical facts every day. I'm like, and yeah, man. Um, and as every day goes on, I get more angry, more uh, more tense. It, it just keeps building up. Yeah, now, Azerbaijan the- has, in fact, banned reporters from actually covering this, right? Yep, yep. So there's basically been a media blackout in Azerbaijan. It's really funny because I have one of those IPTV boxes where I could catch, like, uh, different news channels from around the world. And I've been watching Azeri News. And, dude, it is bizarro land out there. Like, I'm watching, like, my brothers and sisters die on Armenian TV, whereas these guys are showing, like, their their Chevy and their Ford and their Nestle commercials, like, these massive conglomerates that are out there pushing their products. You know, there's, like, little things that are going on on Twitter that, you know, have been basically their propaganda showing Armenian tanks being blown up and, you know, Armenian people being targeted, which is, you know, rallying their population. But there was a, so France TV, which is the French or the French press um, had a reporter out there and the reporter on the English channel broadcast, which I think was on uh, France 24, um, what basically openly said that we have government minders around us at all times. Armenia has free press, man. Like literally the, the things I could get away with publishing in Armenia I wouldn't be able to get away with in the United States. That's how free the press is right now. Um, When you want to talk about press freedom as a whole, Azerbaijan and Turkey are near the bottom of the barrel. I think Azerbaijan ranks 168 in the world for press freedom. And, you know, going back to like the grand scheme of things, you know, information control and manipulation is a huge aspect of this war yeah, as we're sure. today, as it is in all wars, I can't strictly put it on this war, but because we're a part of the information war as well, you know, whether it's on social media, on, you know, on YouTube, on your show, you know, it, to be able to expand the reach of the average person who is basically told to follow the government line is, is essential work. Right. So they are living in, I mean, I feel bad for the people of Azerbaijan. They paint me like I'm some sort of dog, like I'm some, something less than human. I don't think uh, uh, Azerbaijanis are less human than I am. I think they have been so corrupted by their own and so taught to believe that everything wrong in their country is because of some Armenian dude in Glendale, a.k.a. me, Exhibit A, um, ruining their lives for them because we're somehow a part of this global conspiracy to control things. Dude, I don't control shit. Like I'm sitting, I'm sitting in my, you know, in my office in Glendale, you know, just doing my work and my network of people are others like me who are not too different from people like Gabe and me and you. We're just doing everything that they can because we're alone. You know, like we don't, we're not, we don't got Russia on our side. We don't got the U S on our side. And, you know, the biggest thing right now, I mean, we were talking about it earlier about donations, like we are basically funding the humanitarian effort and the war effort in Armenia right now um, through the coffers of practically everybody. Like there's people in Armenia who have nothing to contribute, 
who are contributing to the war effort with whatever limited amount of money that they have. You have guys like me who, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have the contacts that I do fundraising around the clock. You know what I mean? So we are basically making sure our nation stays afloat and isn't completely wiped off the world. Whereas these guys in Azerbaijan bathing in oil money have all to spend and nothing to lose at this point because they're not even sending their old soldiers half the time. They're sending mercenaries from uh, Syria and from Libya. Yeah. So it's a really pathetic thing. And, you know, I I, I mean, to speak on the human side of it, and I think Gabe would want to speak on this too. um, You know, it affects each one of us tremendously. Like I have family there. I mean, Gabe, I mean, please chime in, man. Like you, you got, you got some stories too. Uh, yeah, man. We just lost, uh, I just lost a, a 20 year old cousin out there. He got hit with a shrapnel. It was in good. But, um, I just want to touch on what Joe was saying about, about, about uh, how much money they're spending on all that stuff. Uh, they, they spent a fortune on troll accounts to, to spam social media and all that stuff. Like they don't allow their own citizens social media access, but they're uh, getting like a million troll accounts to, uh, uh, to, to make comments on like whenever a celebrity uh, says something uh, positive about her. Yeah, what is this Cardi B stuff going on? Like she, <laughs> she, she's out there like, I didn't mean to like uh, do a pro Armenian uh, uh, organization. I'm like, what? What do you yeah. mean? Like, what do you care? I just, it's unbelievable to me. Cause, how, cause like, they, go, they, cause they go to like whatever company she has products with and they leave negative reviews for her products and stuff like that. And, and it's, it starts to hurt their money. They're like, Oh shit. So they retract uh, whatever uh, they, statement they make, but it, it's not like real Ozeris. They're, they're, uh, they're uh, uh, troll accounts and like Facebook took like thousands of them down yesterday. You yeah, know, 100%. Yeah, 100%, dude. Uh, there's so much astroturfing going on on the internet right now. Uh, just yeah. powerful people buying fake. Do you guys remember a long time ago uh, a scandal that happened at a website called Ashley Madison? So basically, there was this website where yeah. got, where yeah, people want to, um, you know, step outside of their, their relationship. They could meet somebody on here. And what they found out was like, Let's say there was like 750,000 men on there and like 20,000 chicks. And most of the accounts on there that were women were actually abandoned accounts. And what happens is they take these abandoned accounts and they just reactivate them and take them over. And that's what we're seeing happening on Twitter right now. There's people leaving Twitter in droves and they're just taking these accounts, taking them over and uh, just using them to create astroturfing and fights with me. I can't tell you how many people I get trolled with on Twitter and you go to their account and either they're a brand new account that was started like two days ago, or they're like account started in 2009 and they have 10 followers. I'm like, how do you even do that on a social media platform that is meant to meet people? Like it's purposely designed for you to make contacts with people. And in 12 years, you've made contact with 12 people. It just doesn't make sense because that's how they're not. That is the new mainstream media. That is how they, they change your mind is through these blue check marks and all that stuff, or just pounding you with negative, negative um, tweets. Now, there's been a bunch of marches going on in Los Angeles. You know, we had the Save the Children march, but there's been some amazing Armenian marches going on in Hollywood, shutting down uh, the 101. 
that was a, a big thing that I, I, I saw happening. Um, I, I just have twins. I just can't, I would love to go out there and just muck it up, but my twins have just been super needy lately. So I've had to do the best that I can, but I saw that you guys were outside of CNN and yet we see no story of this on CNN. Nobody's talking about it. And it's just like, to me, if there's anything that comes out of this is like, hopefully this is just another reminder to people that the mainstream media is not there to inform you, but it's more there to control you. And if they don't want a story out that uh, doesn't fit their narrative or doesn't fit their, their, their psychological operations, they aren't going to report on it. And again, you have Israel selling arms. That's it's like anything that involves Israel that could be in a negative context. It's very hard to get any stories out in the mainstream media. And it just sucks. It just sucks that this story is being buried because I think it's very important to just the world because our, if Armenia falls, man, that means Turkey gets more power, more land. And has more influence in that area. And I just think we're, we're going to start seeing some of these old empires trying to get back uh, their, their power and their magic. From, and like Turkey, man, people I don't think realize how big Turkey was for a very long time. Yep. And for them to not be the empire that they used to be, I'm sure that doesn't sit well with a lot of people over there. And they would love to have it, to have that, that kind of, uh, power position in, in the world. And that's why you see them bombing Syria and, and getting involved in the Syrian conflict. And that's why you see them doing a proxy war with Armenia right now. And that's my opinion, man. They want back, they want a seat back at the big table. And they're not you excited. Nailed you nailed it. I mean, Erdogan has no friends and he doesn't care anymore, right? So if you're an ethnic minority living in Turkey right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're an ethnic minority who has been within the sphere of control of the Ottoman Empire for a certain window of time, you know what I'm talking about. The Greeks know what I'm talking about. The Kurds know what I'm talking about. You know, Arab majority populations know what I'm talking about. Turkey wants what it once had. Turkey yeah. was once the sick man of Europe, and as it was going down, it started an Armenian genocide and killed 1.5 million of us. Turkey right now is trying to expand its reach, but Turkey has a lot, a lot, a lot of internal problems. They have a faltering economy. They have all kinds of discord with their neighbors. Nobody takes them seriously, and they want to be seen on the world scene as dominant. So when you have discord on the outside and discord on the inside, that's when things start becoming problematic. So who do you blame for this? Well, guess what? We have our old fifth column, the Armenians. Let's make it easier, right? You know, you have the Greeks who, you know, they're still or they're still in the land dispute over Cyprus with them. You know, Turkey de facto controls northern Cyprus, but in reality, it's it still belongs to the Republic of Cyprus, right? Um, and you know, and thank God for you know our Greek brothers and sisters and our Cypriot brothers and sisters and those who are in Syria who are not fighting on the Turkish side who know what we're talking about. You know, even the Kurds, like people in northern Iraq know what I'm talking about because Turkey is bad news, plain and simple. And it's time for the U.S. to start realizing that, too, because this is our fucking NATO ally that we're talking about. My tax dollars are paying for 
the second largest standing armed forces in NATO. We're talking about 800,000 troops that if they really wanted to, could wake up and take over Armenia tomorrow. They could just walk right in and we couldn't do anything about it. And the only reason why they're doing what they're doing now is not just to expand and show force. It's to taunt the minorities within their own country. It's to taunt the minority Armenians in Turkey. It's to taunt the Kurds, you know, the Greeks, the Jews. It's to taunt everybody and remind them that, hey, we're those old assholes from back in the day that still can do whatever the hell we want to do. And there's jack shit you can do about it. But luckily yeah. for us with Armenians, man, we don't go down easy. We're going to go down swinging. And we're not, I mean, I don't think any of us are planning on going down too. I mean, every last one of us is in this fight because this is a fight for our existence. For Turkey, this is just flex. It's just so interesting how like the world doesn't want, you know, the United States, uh, it's it's just a weird thing, man. We took on the policing the world thing, I, you know, and we got bases all over the place. And now the last three years, you know, we have a president that doesn't want to engage any new wars, you know. But look, like that's what we—that's what we do. That's kind of what we do. There's a reason why we spend yeah. so much money on our military, but because we've shown that we have zero interest in stopping it, this is going to cause Turkey to be a lot more blazing. And because sure. they're, they're not going to, have to worry about whether it's going to be ramifications from a Western power. And look, there's something I got to mention here too. And you know, just for full disclosure, I've never been a big fan of President Trump. I've been a fan of U.S. isolationism in certain ways. In certain, like, I don't believe in getting involved in bullshit wars. I don't think anybody does, right? Um, but there's some one thing that everybody needs to realize. And look, wh- whether you support Trump or you're against Trump, it doesn't matter to me. But there's some massive, massive conflict of interest that need to be brought up. Trump has towers in uh, Istanbul. He's got two hotels. He's got the Trump Towers, which, you know, he was bragging about. He's bragged about a lot. Fantastic hotel and all that good stuff. The best. They are the best Turkish hotels out there ever. Exactly, man. Man, that was spot on. (laughs) And then you have, he's got an interest in Baku. You have guys who are caught up in the whole, um, you know, with the uh, collusion, you know, accusations. Like guys like Emin Emin Aguilarov. Emin Aguilarov is the brother, or I'm sorry, the son-in-law of the current president of Azerbaijan. So everybody's in cahoots with one another. You have all these wealthy, wealthy, wealthy people just playing fuck fuck with one another um, <laughs> over over little things like Armenia. So when you're talking about, oh, Azerbaijan wants to, you know, like, you know, harass a bunch of Armenians and like send its army off to war. They're not going to say anything because they got their own interests out there. Yeah, we have seen that. I mean, that's a giant problem in the United States right now that people are taking dollars over people. You know, it's like we have politicians that just care more about their bank accounts than humanity. And it's just like, and the military industrial complex doesn't give a shit about anybody. They just only care about their bottom line. I mean, that has a lot to do. I mean, like, I I don't want to get too much into stuff, but the, the, the EU, uh, the EO, that um, executive order that Trump did about banning uh, BD, uh, boycott, divest, sanction out of uh, from colleges has a lot to do with the military industrial complex. It has to do with sure. the fact that 
you know, every college has a board of trustees and they, they take all the profits after all the expenditures have been uh, paid off, all the bills. They take that money and they put it into a trust. And that trust gets invested in hedge funds that are ran by the military industrial complex. That is why they don't want to pay uh, student athletes because they want to keep all that money into the war chest. So that's sure. why that happened. And you see, I forget what the college is, but right now there, there's a college that is like, they want to do, uh, you know, boycott, divest, sanction, BDS. And they and, and, and the, the guy who runs the college won't make any comments on it because it's all about that war money, dog. And that's what's going on right here. And they don't want that to be involved with Israel because Israel makes a lot of weapons. And what we're seeing right now is that Israel is selling, as you said earlier, these drones that are doing a lot of damage right now. So about two years ago, um, this was uncovered by the Israeli government itself, that the manufacturer of this particular type of drone, which is known as a kamikaze drone, was actually flown by the operator, by the designer itself, the contractor who was there selling it to Azerbaijan, the contractor flew it into an Armenian base. Literally, the company that manufactured the drone did a live fire on Armenian soldiers. Israel revoked this company's license for 18 months, launched an investigation. The investigation was closed and now that same operator is doing the same exact thing. This time they've trained the Azeris to do it. And guess what? These things are deadly. They are literally flying bombs, flying guided bombs that are launched from the ground, remote controlled, and they take out, they're essentially designed to take out tiny infrastructure. We're not talking about armor, right? We're talking about school buses. We're talking about, you know, soft troop carriers, not armored troop carriers. Like literally these are designed to explode and cause havoc. And a lot of the footage we're seeing coming out of the war, especially the one that the Azeri propaganda machine is pushing are how these drones operate. You have Turkey who is now arming um, the Azeri army in addition to flying their own drones, in addition to flying their own F-16s and shooting down Armenian Air Force jets. By the way, Armenia's Air Force is pretty much what's left over from the Soviet Air Force. Like, it's the shittiest thing you've ever seen. And the second <laughs> we get a plane up, you have these high-tech F-16s that are sitting three, 400 miles away that are just pinpointing, like, just pressing a button on the screen and wiping out, you know, whatever's left of an, whatever semblance of an Air Force there, that Armenia has. So it's, it's become disgusting. And you're talking about the military-industrial complex. You know, Eisenhower warned all of us about this. Yeah, you know? for sure. And it's, it's what, what blows the mind, what blows the mind is how the military industrial complex and these major companies are not stepping up on the human front and calling for attention where you're targeting essentially civilian targets. The entire city of Stepanakert, which is in Artsakh, which is where, where the fighting is happening, doesn't have a single military base. It is literally the civilian capital of Artsakh. And it's basically being bombed night and day with illegal cluster munitions that came from Israel. It's been proven. It's been submitted to the European Human Court or European Court of Human Rights. There's all kinds of violations of the Rome Statute, and we're talking about cluster munitions. Like they've been bombed for, uh, they've been banned for so long right now that every standing army in the world knows not to use it. And whatever is being used right now is being used on Azeri, or I'm sorry, on Armenian targets. 
and it's being used by the Azeri Armed Forces. And there's video evidence of this. And still, nothing. You have the mainstream media in cahoots with all of these organizations who Turkey and Azerbaijan pay millions of dollars to. If you do a FARA, um, if you go on FARA.gov, which is, you know, the Foreign Agent Registry Act, you can see how much money is actually going into these big Washington lobbying firms, these big law firms that are basically controlling the narrative. Those are run by very powerful people. Those are run by ex-speakers of the House. And again, on the Armenian side, you got a guy like me who's sitting in Glendale, California, with, you know, very minimal experience in that field, um, trying to counter that, trying to raise awareness in any way I can. So we are the David against the Goliath. And the Goliath happens to be like this five-headed monster, which is uh, Turkey and Azerbaijan, supported by their supreme allies, which include the United States and Russia. Yeah, There are suppliers, which include the United States, Russia, and Israel. And you also have, um, you know, massive, massive ignorance because of, I guess, the brainwashing that's being done all over the place. You know what I mean? So it's incredibly, increasingly difficult. Yeah, I, I just, the the things that we get worked up about and the things that we ignore just blow my mind. I just don't understand it. I, you know, it's just like, there's so much pain suffering that we just allow to happen because people can make money off it. And then there's just these things that seem very little that we lose our skulls over. And it's almost like the media just has this kind of brainwashing over us to tell us when to get upset and when not to get upset. And it just makes me upset. We got the, you know, that what they call the Uyghurs in China, they're in camps right now. Nobody's yeah. talking about that, and it Absolutely. just sucks. I will mention this I'm going to interrupt this real quick. The Uyghurs in China are actually, you know, they're, they're Turks, and it breaks my heart that that is happening, even though if you think about it, like I should be like you would think, at least in, a, in this conventional or in this unconventional way even that you know oh look like all these turks are dying like you know i should be getting happy fuck no i'm not happy human rights are human rights are human rights everywhere 100 percent, dude 100 percent and, and, and for me, like, I, yeah go ahead uh, finish all, all after you finish i mean all, all i'm gonna say is dude most of the work that i do as a lawyer i mean even even in in the context of what i do is mostly human rights work I mean, I, I, I defend criminals, yes, but I mean, for me, it's like, I'm making sure the Constitution is enforced. And at least in an American context, um, the Constitution, our Bill of Rights is human rights. That's how I look at it anyway. And so do a lot of others. But, you know, w- there's also human rights defenders who are working around the clock in Armenia to document these crimes and submit them to the proper channels and the proper a- avenues, right? So you have like places like the Euro- uh, European courts and, um, you know, courts of varying jurisdictions around the world where you will raise your claims as a lawyer right but when you're talking about on the mainstream media like there's absolutely no coverage of it which is absolutely devastating and on top of that you know i feel like even if i was the last armenian on earth and i'd raised every single flag and once i'd been once i died off and gone into a museum as the last armenian on earth the mainstream media still wouldn't talk about us and, you know, that's one of the hardest things to watch right now. Yeah, it, it is unbelievable. It is unbelievable that they are they that they don't want to pay any any kind of attention to this. 
because they they want people to just focus on orange man bad and uh, racial division in this country and all this stuff because they don't want us paying, uh, coming together on anything. So let alone uh, another country that half the people can't, could, you know, if it wasn't for the Kardashians, how many people even know about Armenians? And that's kind of like what makes me super sad that it took this like, and, and they're tweeting about it. So God bless them. But it took this like these, this crazy family for anyone to even know about Armenians. And it just blows my mind. And you know what the thing is, you have, and this is something that every Armenian has realized over the course of the past couple of weeks. Um, we're kind of on our own here. Um, at this point, we've stopped really give, or, or we stopped really relying on anybody other than ourselves. And you know, there will be those who will join our fight, who will join our cause, who will join our struggle that we welcome. You know what I mean? Um, I am not afraid to say it. I'm a big BLM supporter. I have been for a long time. But that being said, you know, when when I'm rallying around causes that are important and more mainstream these days, you know, I tend to get a lot of attention from supporters of that cause. But now when I'm here rallying around my own flag, you know, I've kind of been left alone. And, you know, it's a terrible feeling because if we're really talking about human rights, like I don't think a, you know, an African-American or any other race for that matter should be treated differently under the law. I mean, we have equal protection under the laws. Like that's kind of what makes us unique. And, you know, when you're talking about the enforcement of that is, is where a lot of the conflict lines are these days, right? But as a lawyer, you know, as, as someone who's a human rights activist, first and foremost, you know, I do realize how important it is to have this global movement, which I am not seeing because who the fuck really knows what an Armenian is until we, we make some noise about it and we make us think about it. And you know what? I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I got my brothers and sisters in the Kardashian family. You know, I'm glad I got, you know, um, celebrities like Michael B. Jordan, like the other day was uh, tweeted about us, which was great. Saw that. You know? Saw that. Fantastic actor, you know? Um, and I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the Rocky series too. So I'm very partial. Yeah. Um, so it, but it's little, little things like that that go a long way because that's, what's going to take a little bit of outside of the box approach to get your average um, person who's not in tune with the conflict to understand that, Hey man, there's something big going on. You know, I'm here talking to Sam Tripoli, for instance, but like for me, it's like, uh, you know, I never really seen your podcast until about a couple of days ago when Gabe told me about it, you know, not really um, something I've tuned into before, but, you know, just your approach, the comedy, the humor, I'm like, you know what, this could resonate. So I took a chance and I'm glad I did because I mean, look, we're having a fantastic conversation. Here, you yeah. Know? I, I think the swarm is going to love it. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff is, um, you know, a lot, there's been a lot of uh, purposefully getting people to want to fight with each other. So it's so hard for all of us to come together because, you know, humans, you know, regardless of your religion, your ethnic group and all, we're, we should all be loving each other because we are the power and they don't want us to know that. So all of these politicians are just the emperor's new clothes. Like they they only have power because we allow them to have power. And like, I, I, the, the, go on. I want, I want to touch up on the, the, fa- the fact that they hate us, man. Uh, they're taught there. There's video evidence of them uh, being taught in schools and kindergartens to hate Armenians from childhood, you know, 100% and, dude. Uh, it, it's, it's in doctrine. Yeah, it's, 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 
Uh, Ramil Safarov is a good example of that. Do you know who that is? No, who is it? Uh, uh, Joe, you, you'll probably explain in better detail about him. So you tell him about Ramil? Sure. So Ramil Safarov is a very, very famous Azeri hero. And the reason why he's an Azeri hero in the first place is because he murdered, murdered an Armenian officer during a NATO summit in his sleep and axed him to death, basically nearly decapitating him. He was jailed in Hungary for about six or seven years. And in exchange for about two million or two billion or three billion dollars, Azerbaijan was able to free this guy. They brought him back home to Baku, the capital of Azerbaijan. They gave him a hero's welcome. They increased his rank in the military and they gave him a lifetime pension for the time he served on behalf of, in their mind, for for his heroism against the Azeri people. Now, you're wondering why Hungary would even do that. Hungary had massive debt and Azerbaijan basically bought out their debt for two billion dollars. Oh, my God. It blows the mind. This guy was serving a jail sentence for murdering somebody. And you know what? Like, think about the. And the officer's name, by the way, was Gurgen Markarian. Gurgen Markarian's family, can you imagine having to tell them that, you know what, the Hungarian government has to tell them something along the lines of, we've arrested this man, he's guilty of murdering your son, we're jailing him, and then have to go back several years later and tell him, you know what, our country was in debt, so we basically let the guy who killed your son go in exchange for this bailout money? Like, how is that justice? You get what I'm saying? Like, No, 100%, dude. And these countries that live off oil, uh, they seem to just always be using their powers for, like, destruction. I don't don't get it, man. Uh, You know, that's the whole thing with the, um, you know, the initial, the the reason there's a war in Syria right now, besides being the Mesopotamia area, is that Qatar has a lot of oil, but it's landlocked. And it's, it's got to get to the uh, Baltic Sea. And the only way to do that is to go through Syria. And the reason there's been a lot of conflict is because Russia doesn't want that pipeline to happen. Because if that pipeline happens, it makes it easier for Qatar to get all their oil to Europe. And that would do incredible damage to the Russian the, the the Russian economy. So that's what that war is all about. It's all about oil money, man. It's all about oil money. And it is Look, just there's no sad. denying that. There's no denying that all the wars that we're seeing have in some way, shape, or form to do with oil. Except when it comes and look, this is not biased. This is the this is our truth. When it comes to Armenians, our wars are only for survival. We're not going out there, you know, to be aggressors, to be belligerent to be angry to be proving a point that look we can kill you just because we can that's not what armenians do man if you were to sit there and count how many times we've been messed with in history it would appall you you know the fact that you know i'm sitting here in glendale california instead of sitting in yerevan armenia has everything to do with the fact that that my ancestors were picked on and kicked around you know and And I'm glad you brought that up because there is a big issue with oil. There's a big issue with the oil trade and these, you know, oil rich countries, because it seems to be like every time there's something popping off in the world, there's oil behind it. There's oil money behind it. And in exchange for oil, we're exchanging guns. You know what I mean? So, you know, I'll give you my guns. You give me your oil. And it's like, you know, uh, everybody 
especially especially like the, especially like a little country like Armenia, which other than its people has really no other resource. You know, like we're not we're not pumping out gold, we're not pumping out oil, we're not pumping out anything that anybody wants right now. So it's really easy to kick the little guy around. Except Armenians, as you know, are not very easy to kick around. Yeah, dude, we fight, dog. We're fighters. We're, I mean, we're pretty tough, man. Like, you yeah, know, what, man. Uh, my friend Brian Cal was talking about that. How Armenians are the last of the machismo men, dude. Like Armenians and Russell Peters, like no matter where Armenians are, they're always Armenian. They're always Armenian, yep. man. And we're proud of that, man. We're proud of that. And our biggest thing right now, I mean, look, dude, we're we're fundraising like crazy. Like Armenia Fund, that's our main charity. That's where everything is going in unison. All of us are donating to that. I don't know if I should drop a charity on here or not. I don't know if Dude, cool that's to... the purpose. Spread the spread the uh, awareness and uh, where they can help. Absolutely, guys. So the most important thing is armeniafund.org forward slash donate. It's, uh, you know, I could, I could write it out too, but I'm no, sure. No, no, no. Could... It, it will be in the description uh, wherever armeniafund.org, armeniafund.org and you could just click the donate button from there. Yeah, man, it's 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 really simple. It's tax deductible. <coughs> Excuse me. And, you know, this is going to help the humanitarian efforts in Armenia. It's going to help us rebuild. It's going to help us restore massive infrastructure that's already been destroyed. So that's primarily going towards our war effort right now. Right. It's to make sure that everything is restored back to normal because we've lost so much. And it's only been 13 days. And I was telling Gabe earlier this, like. You know, I, I hope it ends soon, but the way I'm seeing this happen is that Turkey and Azerbaijan, especially in their press statements and their, you know, from their Ministry of Foreign Affairs all the way to their leadership, are now talking about basically making sure that Armenians have left their ancestral land. So they're talking about genocidal rhetoric again, right? So every single penny, if it's a dollar, if it's $10, if it's $1,000, it's up to you. Even micro donations, we'll take it, man. But that's our fight right now. We're making sure that we survive. And we're seeing you know, a lot of that now, man. A lot, especially in that area, people being forced to, to move off their lands. Uh, and, and just for some reason, people don't care. And it upsets me. It's like rules for thee and not for me. And that's kind that's of what cool. drives me a little nuts, man. It's just like I got a golden rule. And it's like treat people with respect and love, let them live their lives. Okay. And we shouldn't be, I don't care what your religious take is. I don't care who, you know, what you, what, what you worship, what you believe you have the right to live in peace as long as you're not hurting other people. And there are powers that be for other reasons than what they're talking about. And usually it's all about money. It's all about money and it's all about power. And they cloak these things in religious wars. They cloak them in everything other than what it really is. And that is greed. And they, and, and they just weaponize the population. I'm sure if you go to Turkey or you go to Azerbaijan, they're just talking about how Armenians are eating Azerbaijan children or some crazy stuff like that, because that's what they do. They, they, yeah. and we do it here too, man. We do it a lot. To, we've done it with other people, man. There's a lot of people think that's what's going on with China right now. That this group of, you know, this the the the, the military industrial complex is demonizing China. I think China actually does this stuff, but that doesn't mean that it's not part of a propaganda machine. But this is what they do, man. This is what they do. 
And it's all about money and it's all about power and it has nothing to do with religion. It's all about greed and just a bunch of psychopaths who just are never happy with just what they got. They need, they want to drink everybody else's milkshake. And it just, it just sucks, man, because we just finally got the, the, the Armenian genocide recognized by the U.S. government. And now we might have another one on us. Yeah, and you know what's funny? You said everybody wants to drink our milkshake. Luckily, being Armenian, and you know this, you know we're we're, we're tough motherfuckers, man. If someone wants to come drink my milkshake, you got to come and take my milkshake. Yeah, and that's we will gonna fight be, dude. every inch of everything that we got because we know what it's like to lose it, man. And I'll, Sam, I'll put it to you this way: you brought it up about Armenian genocide, right? And like kicking people off their land. So my grandparents, my my great grandparents, were born in the Ottoman Empire. My grandparents were born in Syria. My parents were born in the Soviet Union, and I was born here. You know what I mean? So I've been kicked off of so many places. Like, my ancestors have been kicked around so many places, dude. I'm in America. Thank God I'm in America, dude. But, you know, I can't say, say the same about my brother and sister, brothers and sisters, dude. My, I know where my homeland is. I could point to it on the map. And going forward, I might not have a homeland to point to. And, you know, you want to talk about nationalism and, you know, religion and how people are divided yes at the end of the day we're human dude what does an armenian want at the end of the day they want peace just like everybody else does dude i want armenian shepherds and armenian villagers to be able to live in their villages and walk their fucking sheep for fuck's sake and you have these guys who are sitting in basically bathing in oil deciding that you know what we have too much popular discontent at home because of how shitty our dictatorship is running so let's scapegoat the armenians and you know what there's a lot, of, there's a lot of innocent people that are going to die as a result of this, on both sides, man. And why I'm saying that, you know, uh, there's going to be innocent Azeris that die because their government is basically going to put them in, in the on the front lines, push them towards war, towards slaughter, and then take that image, broadcast it back home, piss off a bunch of more people to go do the same thing. If they took care of their people in the first place, none of this would be happening. If they actually had a democracy where they you had a country where they could voice their opinions, if they had a free press where they weren't throwing journalists in jail, none of this would be happening right now. So everything that's going on in their countries, in Turkey, in Azerbaijan, in the Middle East as a whole, the reason why Armenia sticks out is because, dude, we allow the freedom of the press. We allow freedom of speech. We allow freedom of worship. You know, we, have, we were like one of the best tourist locations until... COVID kicked in and like the entire economy of Armenia died because it's a tourist destination. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, this is just ridiculous, dude. And they picked the perfect fucking time to do it too, because they know that, you know what, they're probably running low on money because they need the uh, foreign investment from tourists coming in. Nope. I mean, all the flights going into Armenia are stopping right now. I mean, not only because of the, not, not only because of COVID, but because, you know, now it's an active war zone, according to most. And, you know, the, the Armenian people are suffering as a result and they timed it perfectly then. Yeah. They knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah. I mean, like people, people are going, well, you know, we can't get involved in everything. Well, man, I mean, the truth of the matter is that we've created a military industrial complex and it is causing chaos all over the world. And this is where they should be getting involved, right? Why did we have, why did we form the UN? Why did we form all these, multinational even nato what's the what was the whole purpose of nato and all of these organizations it was to ensure that peace was maintained when you had a bad guy trying to mess things up and then nato became about the cold war right you had two poles you had uh 
these massive superpowers that wanted to go at each other. You have the U.S. and their allies and, the, you know, the Soviet Union and theirs. And now it's kind of like you have a multipolar system where everybody's kind of in cahoots with one another. Nobody really knows what side they're on. Like as an Armenian, I don't know if Iran is supporting us or against us. Uh, the Georgians who are our, you know, our neighbors to the north are helping the Turks move weapons through to Azerbaijan. And then Russia's, uh, you know, double dipping. They're selling weapons to uh, they're selling weapons to Azerbaijan and they're selling weapons to Armenia. Unbelievable. Know, it is unbelievable what yeah. people will do for a dollar. And it just yeah. sucks, man. Because, yeah, all your cash, but the pain and the suffering that you're allowing to happen is just ridiculous, man. And I hope everybody will check out uh, all the links below so you could help out. And I know, guys, that there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And that's hard to put your um, your attention into everything, but we have to keep the eye on the ball because if well, little, you know, it's that whole saying about like how basically, you know, a force is only as uh, as strong as its its weakest tree because they could cut down that tree and turn it into an axe and then cut yeah. down all the rest of the trees, and that could happen. That just gets the ball rolling when one little country goes in the area that's that really is the democracy that we're talking about and if we let that go man i mean these groups get more and more powerful more and more blazing and it like what's next from them coming over here or them drawing us into another war that's just what we're doing right now and i'm telling you man the ottoman empire was nasty they did nasty things man and not that the u.s and what we've been doing to the world isn't, but I, I, and dude, I, I'm totally understanding what everybody's saying. 9-11, all that stuff. What we did after that is unforgivable, in my opinion, man. But yeah. we have to stop this military industrial complex, man. And we have to get involved. It's, got, it's gone too far, man. We have, we have a government right now. We basically have taxation without representation. I mean, we have people that are just giving us lip service. And then once they get in the office, they do nothing that they promised. And it's time to take it back. We are the power. We have all of it. That's why they got to do all this stupid stuff to convince us to vote for them and to let them. We are the power. We need to start getting actively involved and not just every four years. We need to, you know, make politicians afraid again. Of, of the masses because right now they're not and they're doing whatever they want and they're allowing pain and suffering to happen all over the world. And that's why you should get involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're right, right. Joseph. Can you tell them where they could find you real quick? So most important thing, I mean, you can follow me on, uh, you can follow me on uh, Instagram. It's Joe Kazazian Esquire. That's J O E dot K A Z A Z I A N. Lots of letters. Dot E S Q. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Slomo Joe, um, S L O M O J O E. And other than that, man, you could find me on this awesome, awesome, awesome program. Sam, I really appreciate it, brother. Thank you for having me on. Gabe, it's good seeing you again, brother. Um, and I'm, I'm very grateful for you and for your viewers, guys, if you can, armeniafund.org forward slash donate or armeniafund.org just go right there whatever you can contribute we're grateful for and i'm again i'm grateful for allowing you on or for you allowing me on your podcast i really appreciate you brother for sure man thank you for coming on gabe can you tell them where they can find you 
I'm at Gabe the Banker. There we go. There we go. Gabe the Banker. I knew you. I gave you that name and you resisted it. And then you took it because your money in the bank, brother. So just Gabe the the Banker on Twitter and Instagram. And on Instagram is uh, Gabe Killian. All right, man. Well, Gabe, I appreciate you hooking me up with Joseph. Thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, You know, I think it's important that we keep our eye on the ball wherever tyranny shows its face, man. And the more we expose this stuff, the less likely they want to pull some, uh, you know, war crimes. And I think that's important, man. And it's like we have to do the work that the mainstream media doesn't want to do because they are bought and sold they are the mockingbird media and they only put out the 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 information that the powers that be want so thank you guys for listening to tim fall hat you know i love you so much swarm and we'll talk to you guys soon thank you so much have a great weekend okay take care Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind.